And we are back. Hey. Welcome, everybody. This is the first deep cut of 2021. We've been on a bit of a break. Yes. We were on a break, (laughs) to quote Ross Geller. And uh, But we did a survey at the beginning of the year, uh, right after the turn of the year, and we had some space in the survey to, uh, you know, where people could ask questions. And we got so many good questions that we thought, why don't we do a podcast series where we just take one of those each, uh, each episode and work through them. And the first one we chose was the one that made us laugh the most, which was simply, and I'm just this is verbatim, the question just simply asked, what is up with evangelicals? <laughs> now, we have no idea where that question's coming from or who wrote it. These were anonymous surveys, but it was just funny enough and I think relevant enough that yeah, name gets, timely, yeah, it gets thrown around quite a bit that we would start there. Um, and uh, it is funny. And because that word is so ubiquitous now, uh, and I'll make somewhat of a case that people just use it for any Overused. non-Catholic, religious, religious, you know, Christian uh, affiliation. But uh, but we were sort of laughing uh, last week about how um, it's one of those words that gets used so much that it reminded us of that scene from The Princess Bride where Inigo Mantoya says, "You keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means." Exactly. Inconceivable. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. That's kind of the angle we're going with today. So here's what we're going to do. We can we cannot cover all of it. This is a this is a a 500 year uh, issue, mm-hmm. and so we can't really cover all that. So I'm going to put some things in the show notes, some links, some articles, some things that you could read. But uh, we're going to do a brief overview of the history of what. Uh, evangelicalism was, what it has become, and maybe some of the problems that uh, we're dealing with today. So here we go. Off we go. I don't really have an intro song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why don't we start with just some basics about where this came from, the history. Uh, Joel, you actually had sent us your notes for this and had a lot of good stuff in here. I'll just start by saying... um, there's there is a difference between there are diff, there are major differences between the beginnings of when this word started to be used to describe certain Christian uh, organizations and people and disciplines, especially from its uh, its time in Europe and then in America. The American situation has its own story, mm-hmm. and uh, I know you have some good notes on that that we'll get into in a minute. But I will just say as a starting point. One of the difficulties of both defining evangelicalism and then trying to understand it is that it's not really an official Mm -hmm. denomination. There's not a building that manages it. There's not a top-down authoritative body of people. Uh, So it it is what we call in like church history and spiritual formation studies, it is a stream of spirituality, which means that it, uh, there are lots of tributaries and lots of, iterations of it so it's really hard to nail down but why don't you do some stuff yeah there's not a protestant vatican no so it, anything that falls under there so um and one of the challenge i mean the the challenge with even defining the word is that as you're defining the word the ground is shifting underneath your feet mm-hmm. about what the word actually means but 
you can trace, so the word evangelical, you can trace it and it's just at the very core. Um, the first gospel to use it is Mark. And it says the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. And what you need to understand just about the word itself is it has its roots in this uh, Greek word euangelion. And euangelion was simply, it was not even a Christian term. It was a political term to talk about an announcement from the emperor typically couched as an announcement from the emperor who is a God or the son of a God. So when Mark says the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the beginning of the euangelion, he's making a, he's, he's re re contextualizing that word and saying, Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not. And so on the one hand, euangelion or evangel is, uh, the, is the good news that's being proclaimed. And so in the, in the case of Jesus, it's the good news about salvation and redemption and, uh, justice and all those things. It's also used to refer to the proclamation of that news. Mm -hmm. So it's an announcement. It's an announcement. So it's all, it's the good news and it's also the, the announcement of that news saying all that to say that on that very fundamental level, if you are a believer in Jesus and you've ever talked about that with anyone, you are evangelical in the purest sense of the word. Mm -hmm. Now it, what we think of when we, what we think of as evangelical probably started sometime in the Reformation. And it's uh, Martin Luther breaks and he makes this case that when the, when the structures of the church are in conflict with the scripture, we refer to the scripture and our understanding of it, our encounter with it. And so there's a very individualistic and very, uh, again, Protestant, literally protest or mm -hmm. uh, contentious, connotation to it, which is probably why it's so attractive to Americans. Um, but that's a whole other thing, but you can, whatever else you can agree on. And there is so much, there are so many different, uh, people who call themselves evangelical that others people would say aren't and vice versa. Four main themes are the value of scripture in Christian life, some form of conversion experience, whether it's dramatic or not dramatic, whether you can remember it or not, there's some sort of understanding that life before and after Jesus is different. Uh, the atoning work of Jesus as the sole mediator between God and humanity and the importance of sharing that. So those are your four tenets of what you can, everything that's described as evangelical probably incorporates. Then you get into some really complicated stuff yeah. about, you know, Lutherans and Reform and Wesleyans, all these different people argue over whether or not they are or are not. But broadly speaking, there you go. Yeah, because lots of work has been done to try and figure out what are the core beliefs of an evangelical, and like the lists are different, but mm -hmm. the common, those four that you mentioned, role of scripture, the lived experience of conversion, um, et cetera, et cetera, those are the four that seem to seem to be the foundation of whatever this thing is. And within that umbrella, it's very pluralistic. Uh, there's a one of my seminary professors, he's written a lot on this, but one of the things that he wrote, he says, by tying the normative value of scripture to reason and the individual conscience, at least in some sense, Martin Luther prepared the way not only for the much needed criticism of the Roman Catholic doctrine, but also the incredible pluralism and separatism that have sub uh, subsequently come to plague Protestant churches. So um, because it is so tied to this individualistic uh, in encounter with Christ and understanding of scripture it is 
to, to use the term as uh, flippantly as it gets used now really oversimplifies something that's incredibly complicated mm -hmm. and incredibly pluralized. Mm -hmm. So when you hear the word, it again, I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, so there's, there's a lot more to it than what gets thrown around um, in the news. And, and well, and that's later on. I mean, we're still yeah. in Europe. We're still... We're still in the wake of the Reformation. We're still in, and it does sort of come alive more so when you get into the 1700s. The Wesleys. And the Wesleys and so on, making their way to America, bringing that ideal here. But um, yeah, Lindsay, did you have stuff? I think uh, one thing to add for the beginnings of this idea of uh, evangelical, um, a lot of what Joel said but it was also viewed as kind of this anti-Catholic movement. Mm -hmm. It was taking it away, taking the power away from this formalized religion that was based on ceremony and just doing the things you were told to do. And it was meant to bring it to a more personal level. It was mm -hmm. meant to bring it into the masses and into the individual. So it was very attractive to people who didn't want to just be told what to do and what yeah. to, you know, how to how to live out their faith. And so it was in, in, in its origins, more Protestant, whereas now Protestant can be evangelical or not evangelical mm -hmm. if you want to categorize things. But yeah, it was this like idea that it was maybe more of a true or more real religion as to, as opposed to a formal adherence, just because that's what you're being told that you have to do. Yeah. And another What's interesting is you, you look at Martin Luther and what he did and you take the Wesleys and what they did and kind of jumping off from what Lindsay was saying is there's, there is the desire to move things away from the formalized structure and kind of the everyman, but there's also this desire to take it away from the elite. Not take it away from the elite, but open it up from the elite also to the, the poor and the, the marginalized and the people. So what Luther did and even... And, and from my tradition and Lindsay's tradition, what John and Charles Wesley did was they see that there are these structures that are, for lack of, I mean, for, for better or worse, they're leaving out a big swath of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, John and Charles Wesley realized that there were people who just were not coming to the Church of England. And I'm really oversimplifying here, but broad strokes. And so they had this deep conviction that there are people who needed to hear this message about Jesus who just were not getting to hear it. And that is in conflict with what the church is supposed to be doing. And so they would go out into the, onto the streets and into the fields where people worked and they took the gospel mm -hmm. to people who just weren't going to get it. And so at both, you know, the Protestant Reformation, uh, the Wesleyan movement, the Methodist movement, and, and, other movements like that always have that uh, theme of t bringing it from the elite and putting it in the hands of everyday people. Well, and using a modern parlance, it's like it was an anti-institutional, authentic expression, mm -hmm. somewhat individualistic of the Christian faith. And again, it comes it goes back to what I was saying earlier about like it's not, this was not like a, um, you know, during the Reformation and the centuries after that, it was not a formation of a denomination, but a stream of, uh, a flowing stream of spiritual practice. And um, yeah, 
But then it does. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the other. Saying all that, I also want to mention that for for that kind of individualistic approach, it wasn't that they were trying to say that there's no need for these structures at all. Mm-mm. It was they were trying to say that those structures are what they are, but we also need a personal experience. So even Wesley, on his deathbed, still viewed his priesthood in the Anglican Church. Mm-hmm. As important, and so it wasn't, you know, to hell with the structure. Mm-hmm. It was that has its place, but it also needs to account for the, each person. And so it's it's not an either or; it's a both and mm-hmm. the structure and the individual. Well, and remembering too that up until that point, most people weren't reading the Bible, mm-hmm. not for themselves; they were being read to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, that, and the invention of Printing press, and which is a very Protestant, that has such an influence on the Protestant movement, the Reformation movement. But um, being able to have the scriptures uh, on your own and to read those on your own was a new, that was definitely new. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of the European history. I mean, <clears throat> a small... A small piece of the European history. But let's, let's get into America because... Um, American Christianity or Christianity in America, pre-revolutionary war, post-revolutionary war, leading up to the Civil War, it goes through all these different changes and iterations. And one of the things that we we do rec- that we do recognize through history is that at least, you know, the evangelical stream in America was always somewhat, and this is another episode, but it was always somewhat tied to politics because. And this sounds wrong to say in our current day, but like it was very focused on uh, justice issues with mm-hmm. people in the margins. So when we go back into history of America, there are it doesn't mean they all felt this way because again, it's not it's not a denominational body. So everybody doesn't just sit lock and step with whatever the headquarters says. They have their own minds and they make their own decisions. But there's a strong movement towards charity and. Um, you know, justice, and really the biggest, the biggest battle was slavery. Mm-hmm. And what you have in uh, evangelical history is, and again, this crosses Anglican, Methodism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is not one denomination. Um, you have disagreement. You don't have a lock and step like we're pro-slavery, we're anti-slavery. You have this divide. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first real big issues with the evangelical stream was what do we do with slavery? And, um, you know, and so, but what's encouraging is that you see in history an anti-slavery, an abolitionist stream within the evangelical stream. But you also see the other, which is the pro-slavery, anti-abolitionist movement. So we, we pick up on that very easily in history and it, and it really sets the tone for, um, it's not quite political yet. Um, it does morph its way into that, but those are, those are for other reasons. But, um, yeah. <laughs> for those listening in, the UPS man just <laughs> fell. I don't know. I don't know what happened. He dropped a bowling ball on your... Tossed the package to your front door. Yeah. You know, so there's a big... Um, there's a big part of the history in America uh, uh, that's focused on 
that main issue. And it became the dividing line for um, Christianity as a whole and mm-hmm. as a nation. Um, and so it, um, but it, it's important to remember that there wasn't an evangelical stance. There were people within that stream that felt one way, people that felt another way, and the people that probably felt a third or fourth way um, about it. What I find interesting about the term is that there are some groups that clamor to, to claim that name and say that other groups are not. And then there are some groups that don't want to be called that when they are. And, and it, again, it's just such a loaded term, and, and it is another episode of... Mm-hmm. It, it very quickly does get embroiled in politics. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of negative fallout for that. There's positive fallout for that. But I guess what I want to stress is that it's, it's not as simple as saying the word defines the, the, the reality. The, mm-hmm. the way I say it is you've got to be sure you're not confusing the caricature with the portrait. Mm-hmm. And it's changed so much in, in America over all, like all those time periods, Derek, you were talking about what even evangelical was, you know, early on in our history is not the same as what it means today. And the things that I think people get hung up on with the, the word being used now is that, okay, who's defining that word mm-hmm. for you? And what research is it that you're reading? What article how have they defined it? Where are they getting? Because even in, if you just look at actual like research and numbers, it the definition of what evangelical means and what a church that's evangelical is, even that varies. Um, and yeah, there are, it was in my research seeing like it was after World War One where the, the word evangelical became more synonymous with denominations that were considered fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. And so that's when other denominations or other groups wanted to disassociate with the word mm-hmm. and try to move away from it. So it's you have to keep up with okay, where did where did it begin? What was an evangelical a hundred years ago, even fifty years ago, versus even twenty years ago and today? And then what is the definition that you're using? And what's the definition of whatever article or research that you're reading, yeah. what's their definition of an evangelical yeah. church? I think you bring up a good point that we could transition into, and it's the, it's the shift from um, what the evangelical pursuit was really about, which was, again, those four things, mm-hmm. this personal relationship with Jesus, this uh-huh. lived experience of discipleship, this, the role of Scripture in our life, etc. Moving from that, and again, this is an American story, into what is technically known as fundamentalism, which mm-hmm. takes place at a certain point in American history, typically around the turn of the 20th century. Um, and what's happening at the turn of the 20th century, and in some of the decades following the Civil War, but there, there starts to develop this um, concern over, over what would be considered like liberal theology versus conservative theology. That has nothing to do with anything at that time in history other than science, because you're post-Dorinian at this point. I said it was a lot of response to mm-hmm. Origin of the Species, which is an 1859 document. Um, and so there was some fear about, like, what is that going to entail and what's that going to do to our society? <laughs> but it was really based more in the question of what is humanity's place in creation? So it was like an existential mm-hmm. theological crisis. But you end up having a lot of, like, this is where it becomes political um, in the sense that there's a lot of push to protect in their minds, like, the school systems. And so you have this, mm-hmm. like... 
you have a you have a lot of battles going on theologically, but also academically between universities and school systems and whatever. Again, not all of them. Uh, you just have a number of people that are again if 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 evangelicalism is a stream, the fundamentalist just sort of kicks off into a new direction while still being connected somewhat to this stream. Yeah. And it it develops a life of its own. And I would contend that when most people use, you know, whether it's in the media or in print or whatever, when they say evangelical in a negative sense, what they're really referring to is this offshoot that has become so powerful mm-hmm. uh, and so fearful. And so you have that happening. You have the issues over inerrancy, which is this weird word mm. to describe a way to view the Bible and its texts and its stories, uh, which is another episode. But uh, so you have that going on, but then you have um, you have the issues around um, evolution being taught in the schools, and so this is where it really starts to become. Uh, it doesn't it, evangelicalism has always had a public square presence, but. This is the shift from it used to be based in issues of justice and so forth, and now it's now it's this weird offshoot of like we're very afraid of what's happening in our culture, as opposed to we have some good news for our culture. To we're now very scared, and so the way to combat that is to get involved and to control the system in some way. And so, I I contend that the way that we use the word today is actually not. Um, it's somewhat lazy in the sense that we're not actually talking about the four tenets of evangelicalism, mm-hmm. but we're talking about an offshoot that has become quite powerful and noisy and influential, which I'll get into some of that in a few minutes as far as like, do those people even really identify as evangelicals? And the answer is probably not, but um, although they may say they are, they couldn't define what it is. Right? That's what I was going to say. There's That's a big issue, too, for today is self-identification as evangelical right. and not really understanding what it is you're identifying as and what you're mm-hmm. not really understanding what you're saying. Yeah, and the um, Lindsay, you said something earlier about the, uh, like, some, some, some information says this about it, some mm-hmm. information says that about it. And uh, when you're, again, when you're reading anything, you have to pay attention to where the sources are coming from, but you also have to pay attention to what you're bringing to the conversation and what baggage you have about the word. Uh, but what, what I found interesting is that I got into, I tried to go down the analytical route and look at statistics and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I put some of that too. But I, it tied my brain in a knot because even in, I've read an article by Barna and even they said that our research says this about evangelicals mm-hmm. And in the article, it says, however, mm-hmm. this other group has another set of definitions, and so they come on a different... And it's just It's even, because there's no blueprint. There's no blueprint, and the history is so weird. Mm-hmm. And, um, and all of that to say that even in the... When you're just trying to look at it analytically, there's not even an agreement on what criteria to use. And so I think it's important to, to back up and... Again, it goes down to those four precepts. Everything else, like you said, Derek, is it's offshoots of offshoots of offshoots in mm-hmm. some cases. I mm-hmm. mean, it just it splinters off into a million different pieces. But you can, if you want to be true to what the word means in the purest and and really best and most representative sense of what it should be, it's those four things. Mm-hmm. And I think that with those four things as kind of your center, then there really is a 
a good news, and there really is a, a care for justice and a care for the hearts of people. Um, so I guess all that to say, again, be careful not only with where your sources are coming from, but also what you're bringing to those sources. Yep. And have the presence of mind when you're reading these things, articles, seeing news, step back and say, what is what are they saying and why are they saying it and where are they getting theirs and yep. what are you breaking to it and what can you say about it objectively? And I think what's at the heart of the question, <clears throat> what's up with evangelicals, which again still makes me laugh. Um, it's a fantastic question because it, it requires some thought, but um, I do think that it's tied to recent events. I think it's tied to perhaps maybe the last couple of decades or, or whatever of just, and there's a big movement, you know, there's the ex-evangelical movement of people like trying to disassociate themselves and just heal from those experiences of fundamentalist churches and whatever that really, you know, beat them down in some way or another. Um, but you know, at the same time, it's like that, that also is not a new thing. I mean, even in the midst of, uh, pre and post civil war, years there were a number of of course the you know the the african american evangelical churches dropped that name from their you know from their church titles or the, their literature because they didn't want to be associated with that and so you know the whole the whole movement that feels new is not new it's people have always been trying to figure out what best describes their faith um, it is the upside of just being catholic you know mm-hmm. and so there cuz there's a there's you know it's there's, monolithic. there's a place that has documents and this is what we do and this is who we are and you know but even by some definitions now there is <laughs> catholic in evangelical there are like there there, are, that is a category yeah, there are it. eastern orthodox evangelicals yeah and it's also good to remember too that one of the most liberal denominations in America right. is the uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, mm-hmm. and so it, it's not as you can't just pigeonhole it into one category. Well, and this this is probably also another whole topic, but it's also it's not as defined by white as people. Think. I mean, globally, uh, evangelical is non-white and non-Western. Oh yeah, most of the church growth in the world is in the global south. Yeah, and you've got—I mean, you've got yeah. uh, Africa, you've got Latin America, you've got Asia. Right. And Christianity is thriving in those places. Yeah, and they are what you would describe as evangelical. Mm-hmm. But again, by going by the kind of four things, so, if you lump in Pentecostal and Charismatic, which some do and some yeah. don't, but and it's it's just important also yeah. to remember that uh, a lot of I, and I had this said to me at a at a Methodist conference I went to. Uh, by someone who's not from the United States. And they said it's interesting that uh, the United States has, has Christians in the United States have these very specific conversations. And what you don't realize is that the way you're talking about it is not the way the rest of the world even sees the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so um, even within the global, within the global conversation, the conversation we're having is actually in the minority of what the rest of the world is mm-hmm. looking at. As you know, as far as what the Christian faith is and what it's doing, so, and I think you know we have a we have an episode coming up. It might even be next week, which is Christian nationalism in America, mm-hmm. which does address the political issue, which does take us to the fact that, and this is you know, statistically factual, that the white evangelical voting block was an important piece, mm-hmm. and you know, so when we talk about white evangelicals, um, a large number of uh, of of many who said they voted, you know, for the current president, et cetera, et cetera. This is what people are like. What is the situation with the guy waving a Jesus flag as they storm the Capitol? 
there are good answers for that and um, sometimes solid answers about how that happened. Um, you know, and in our own history, I mean, like, and we'll get into this in another podcast, but it's really, again, it's an offshoot of an offshoot, but the fundamentalist group of the late 70s that formulated into what was known as the moral majority, which was a, you know, this is the Jerry Falwell organization, which he sort of stole from the silent minority line from Nixon, but um, there's this, you know, this movement, uh, this fundamentalist offshoot movement known as the Moral Majority, which became very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, both Republican, both the Republican Party, you know, because the history there is, um, is when Carter was running against Reagan, the moral majority said, let's go with Reagan. And that was really the beginnings of we only vote Republican, uh, at least with that branch of a branch. And it became quite powerful. And both in, in the political world, they saw an advantage of, you know, co-opting a voting block, but the voting block also saw an opportunity to co-opt politics. And so it, that, that's where really we start to see some really tricky relational issues between faith and religion. But again, it doesn't represent, I'm not going to say the majority, but it doesn't, I don't think it does, because uh, at least in the people that I know and talk with in the world that I live in outside of the internet, people don't seem to, it seems, that seems to not be the case. So I don't, I don't really know how it ends up being the term that gets used to describe anything that isn't Catholic. And um, as we've said before, it seems like a lazy move. At the same time, I don't know if there, and we may disagree on this as a team, but like, I just don't think there's any getting the word back. I mean, I'm just kind of like names to describe Christian traditions come and go. I mean, the, the, the history of what Christians have been called and different streams, they come and go. And this yeah. one is probably done. Christianity just, wasn't always called Christianity. No. And I think the word evangelical <clears throat> is probably too late to get back, even if, you know, even if you find the best parts of it. Um, we, cause, cause if you have to end up just defending and defining, it's just, it's over in my opinion. You lost the clarity of the It's not worth it. So it's like, this is why people I think are saying, I mean, you see this in America, a lot of churches that are called community church, uh, are (laughs) basically Baptist churches in disguise that just thought the word Baptist is problematic. It's loaded. It's loaded and there's no getting it back. And so they just changed their name, but it's... Uh, I think the same is probably true for because we can argue till the day is you know done about like well the original intent doesn't matter it's it's, it's <laughs> already it's, been yeah. how it's being understood now yeah and but I think every Christian could look back at the the four major underpinnings of what defined that stream and say to themselves honestly well yeah those are important to me too uh, but I don't know if I would try to fight for the name to survive yeah I think there. I think we are going to see those who want to fight for it um, and try to like reclaim it and and hold on to it. There is um, a national association of evangelicals. Again, it's not a denominational no. movement. Yeah, it's it's nothing you know like that. But it is a group of you know different denominations. And um, but one of the guys that runs it, Laith Anderson, is his name. But he had a, a good quote from somebody else when he was talking about the same idea someone asking him about, like, what do we do with this? This Our name has sort of been hijacked. And 
Um, and it's just, I think it's a good sort of, it'll segue as we get into the more political side down the road. But um, he said, our name has been co-opted by politicians and policies that are polarizing and painful. They're contrary to the Bible and blame for practices that they or like th- that other evangelicals don't even approve of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good summary of why mm-hmm. it, it is going to be hard if people do want to try to get this name back and this idea of of being evangelical, evangelical even though it's based in those four ideas that, that we can all pretty much agree with and mm-hmm. want to pursue in our own individual faiths. But it, it has, it's been... It's just been railroaded. <laughs> and I find it I find it interesting that people are very precious about like wanting to reclaim the name because again, it there's there's not a monolithic organization about it. Like I said, there's not a Catholic, there's not a Protestant Vatican. Um, but for like we've just discussed for the past what 30, 33 minutes, there's never really been other than those four precepts, but most people aren't even talking about that when they say they want to reclaim the name. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even, you claim the name and so does this other group that doesn't have the same political leanings that you do. And who has the right to the name? But you, you can't reclaim something that never really had ownership, ownership mm-hmm. or even a, a solidified uh, singular identity. Mm-hmm. And so I just find it funny that people get real up in arms about this word and this name because, look, at the end, do you, do you believe the Jesus story? Does it mean something to you? Do you want to share it? Who cares what you're called? Mm-hmm. Like, just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you step back from from the generalizations and the broad strokes and just, okay, I, this is what I believe and this is what I'm, how mm-hmm. I'm going to... I don't know. I'm, I feel like we're now in this place where... You know, our where our Muslim friends were post nine eleven. You know, <laughs> yeah. and like it's it's not of course it's not the same situation, but it's like what what ended up happening in those days was just a constant, you know, local imams and leaders in the Muslim community always having to say, That's not who we are. Yeah. And that that is where the church is now in America. And to me that's always like it's just it's too late. And because if, if that's how you have to start every conversation, it's probably... And again, I mean, you guys come from the Methodist tradition. And Methodist tradition, I think in the, what, the 1960s becomes mainline mm-hmm. to distance themselves again from this word. And like, uh, or at least the movements that were developing that were just sort of problematic. And then I, my tradition, which happens on the frontier in the Second Great Awakening as well, the tradition of our church, <clears throat> has a really weird relationship with the word. There were many that were like, uh, no, because of the, anti, the, uh, the pro-slavery part, which divided every denomination and, and organization. But, um, you know, we have a history of distancing ourselves from it, while some of our uh, ancestors <clears throat> in this movement attach themselves to it. So even... Which is why it's not on our website as a word. It's just, I guess it's just my decision, but uh, just chose to leave it out. But um, it's not a word that I use to describe who I am, but, uh, or what our church is, because it's so freighted with like, oh, that means, and usually what people do when they hear it, they, they jump to, again, the aberrations, yeah. the fundamentalist aberrations. And those people, again, in my, this is just my opinion. I'm not a pollster and I wasn't at the, the, the riot at the Capitol, 
But, you know, the man in the horns, like, <laughs> if I ask him, are you an evangelical? He's probably going to say, You'll hell yeah, you know, but like he doesn't really know what that means. Maybe he does. I don't know. But it's, uh, to me, it just seems like I don't really think it means what people think it means no. on, on all sides. Well, and this is going to sound like such a cliche, but we've talked about this, that you, uh, in, in an age where everything is boiled down to a meme with just a funny picture and text mm-hmm. over it. If, Which we love. We love it. It's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Don't believe everything that you mean. That's the kind of funny way I've been saying it to people. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting and it's funny, and it, it's, it, but it's oversimplifying something to make a point. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just doing a, it's doing a disservice to, to the true nature of, of, of what you're talking about, whatever the thing is. Um, but it's also doing a disservice to the nature of the conversation, and it's really dumbing things down. Yeah. And it's just harder and harder to have yeah. a conversation about yeah. these really important things. So. Yeah, it is interesting. And ironic, I guess, but like we lived in such an anti-binary season for a while. Like you're so binary, you're so binary, but it's like that's kind of what we're doing. We're we're mono we're we're monolithicizing everything. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, you're one or the other. You're, you're either or. You're either or. There's no middle ground. There's no yeah. There's no like yeah, and, and so it, it's important to like, and again with this particular issue. I think the intellectual, academic way to look at it is go, I think it's more complicated than just that's who those people are. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I think it, it it seems like everything is very either or and black and white because that's what we see. And mm-hmm. when you're engaging in watching the news or, or your social media stuff, it's easier to, it's just more easy. It's easier to have that kind of reactive either or thing, but you step away from that and you go into a conversation with a real person, you'll find that it really is, there's a lot of shades of gray in between one extreme and the other. And even within the three of us, while we were planning this, there's, we don't all agree and we don't have the same conclusions and we don't come from the same places, but it's possible to have like real conversation and, mm-hmm. and understand that things are not as simple as, they're being portrayed. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, you know, I'll just say one more thing and then Lindsay, if you have anything else, jump in. But, um, you know, one of the ways I put, put it with this, and I think this is with all Christian traditions and iterations, but it's like with evangelicalism, it's like there's all these branches, but there's really no tree. Right. And so it just makes it very hard to, you can't purify it. There's no like, you know, the word radical means to return to the root. So it's like there's no – you can't do it. You can't pull it back because it, it lives on its own. There's no – you know, there's no central foundation for it. So it's um, – it's yeah. That's why that's why I sort of fall on the, the side of, eh, who cares? Let's move on. New name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that might just be my personality, but it's like it's just not worth the battle for me. Um, but with that, I think it does lead us into – what I think that question is getting at, which goes into our next episode, but it's just more of that like nationalistic uh, expression that's couched in like, is it faith-based or not? Like what is going on with Christian nationalism, which isn't unique to Christianity, but it is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think we'll cover a lot more of that in the next episode, but do you have any closing 
I would just say, I think in closing, um, I think too often in not just this area, but in multiple areas of our lives, it's, it is easier for us to be lazy in what we hear and what we believe. And um, I think for all of us, like diving just a little bit deeper below the surface when it comes to, for instance, what we're talking about today with uh, evangelicals and that word, I think that's a good thing for us to, to start adjusting our lives. Like who, who are we taking as authority in our life? Who are we believing without questioning? And it's okay to question. It's okay to dig deeper um, in our faith and in, in the news that we consume and mm-hmm. all of those things that um, I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like hopefully we can come to a, a, a place where it's easier to, to love, to live out our lives in love and that, like, that's really the basis of our faith, right? Like, those are, that's the commandment that Jesus gave us. And I think if we're able to let go of our, like, preconceptions and what we have believed in the past just because we've been told and just dig a little bit deeper. I just wonder mm-hmm. how that could start affecting the way us as a church and us as a group of believers um, goes out into the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. That's just what keeps coming to mind in the past few months for me. Yep. Yeah, and I, I don't have much more to add to that except that um, whatever whatever connotation the word has, I think it's important to remember it does go back to this idea of there's good news mm-hmm. and there's a proclamation of that good news. And if you believe in Jesus, then, that I mean, let that be your good news and let that be mm-hmm. your testimony. And whatever else happens, whatever else is going on, we have something to share. Mm-hmm. And it's good news. Yep. So let's get on with it. Pay more attention to that than yeah. the label. Yeah. You know? And I think, too, there's a... I know we're going over time here, but I think in a, in a very real sense, there's a, there's a pain in the hearts of many, many Christians in America to feel the need to like, um, apologize on behalf of extreme groups and so forth, which I think is healthy. Um, I don't know how much good it does, uh, but it's, you know, I think we have to find this balance of like, um, feeling responsible for things that we actually are responsible for. And then also making clear that, some some things are just aberrations that we have no control over. Right. Um, so we're always going to spend our days going, well, that's not really who we are. Um, that's never going to change. I mean, you got to think back to, was it Nero that like just blamed the Christians for the burning of Rome yeah. when they didn't do it? You know, right. and it's like, it's just always been a problem, whatever religious group, you know? And um, so it's, 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 I don't know if it's worth the energy we put into trying to, uh, I don't know, explain it away. It just is what it is. And uh, I don't know. But we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah. Right on. Y'all have a good week. Be Bye. kind. <laughs>